Welcome, folks. I'm here with Ewan and Josh, and they're in Portland. And I met Ewan at a microsolidarity retreat in Denver, and we made friends because he's wriggly like me. And um, and I understand that you folks have just like moved into a new space and welcomed a whole lot of community activity. And yeah, I want to know what are you doing? What's the plan? What's what's working well? What's not going so well? And yeah, I'm just really curious to know what you're up to. Yeah, um, so I'll start. Um, so um, we have a building that's about 10,000 square feet and it's uh, about 3,000 square feet of offices, a loading dock, a mezzanine, and uh, a big open space is about 5,000 square feet. It's like, um, like this with like tall ceilings, uh, about 17 feet. And um, this used to be the office space for my, for my company and we're not using it anymore. We're using the basement for shipping, but we're not using the office and the sort of open space part anymore. And uh, I was always interested kind of for 15 years in doing some sort of co-working or community space, but never felt like I had the energy to make it happen. And now uh, after the micro solidarity retreat in Denver, I thought like, let's just start something and see how it goes kind of without making a whole big plan and uh, a business plan and everything. And so I, a couple of weeks after I got back to Portland, I saw this meetup on Twitter organized by these people called the Portland Regenerative Tech Commons. And I just showed up uh, and there's a lot of cool people chatting. And uh, I said, like, I have a space and I want to do some community there. I want it to be a bridge between different communities that might not meet each other otherwise. So we call it bridge space. And we also happen to be by a major bridge in Portland under the Hawthorne Bridge. So, and people got excited about the idea and especially Josh and James, they kind of took it and ran with it. And uh, they were basically opened kind of in a soft way a week after we met for the first time. That's um, sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah. My, my like New Year's intention is to like learn how to, be in the world with less plans like less intense like we must do this and then this and just kind of go with the flow a bit more so this is very inspiring josh could you say a bit about um just a little bit about your background and and why yeah why did you respond to enthusiasm yeah um i come from i was born and raised in portland kind of my career path's taken me a few different directions and i ended out doing a community environmental justice organizing First yelling at government to be better and then realizing more outside of government stuff was uh, kind of more what I was interested in. And with, um, I think with, when I started talking with a few people around Portland who kind of had some similar ideas to me, we, uh, we identified like all of these different kind of practices and cool stuff that was going on in, in Portland. It's been going on for, for decades before I was born. I'm only 25 and um, said, decided to kind of put out some pieces of writing and have this gathering. And Iwan reached out to us like right before it and said he had this space. Um, and yeah, I, uh, can, sorry, can you like rephrase the, um, just rephrase the question one more time? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to feel in for like, where's your enthusiasm? 
like um you met you when you hear there's a space like what is it what's kind of alive in your imagination that pulls you in yeah so for us we were like seeing all these things that were happening in portland whether it was permaculture cool like kind of neighborhood manufacturing stuff amazing mutual aid networks i mean the list goes on and really realizing how siloed these communities are mm. and can get into like kind of why they're siloed or why we're seeing why they're siloed um but similar to this idea of like a bridge space we wanted to create containers for people to come together talk and maybe create new ideas from the like increased capacity that these like aligned practices can really can really have and there's <clears throat> some kind of political economic stuff laced in there but really it just comes down to people talking with each other who usually don't and yeah that's like really where a lot of my excitement comes mm, cool me too um i will love to jump in at some point about this question why why the silos exist um but maybe it's not the place to start we can start somewhere a bit more optimistic um <laughs> Ewan, maybe you can tell me like yeah maybe just a, i want to tune in with your inspiration like mm -hmm. what it, why would you invite in a bunch of complexity into your life? Like, what do you, what's the, <laughs> what's the big dream? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, the first few weeks, I actually wondered about that myself. Like, oh, what did I get into, you know? Um, but I actually realized I thrive on complexity. I thrive in, in sort of like this creative chaos, emergent chaos, um, because I, I feel like that's where a lot more where my zone of genius is than in a place where things are settled and there's very clear rules for everything. Um, well, I got this zone of genius thing from you back in Denver. So I'm, I'm talking in that framework with people now because the, the dream is to have a place where people can feel free to be in their zone of genius instead of making this calculated compromise between the grind or whatever they need to do to survive and uh, the thing they actually want to do and not have that split uh, in their in their lives or at least having a bigger space in their in their life when they're not split mm. in that way mm. so but that's been a theme for me for a long time because um, I felt, I mean, I grew up in Romania and then I moved to France and I studied physics, quantum physics, chaos theory. Uh, I hung out about a bunch of smart people. Um, and then I started hanging out with uh, more artsy people in this place called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. And um, that's where I opened up and started getting wiggly and uh, exploring all the other sides of myself that I didn't feel like it were welcome in, in other places in, in Romania or in an academic environment in France. So I guess that I've been interested in that my whole life to see what is it, what kind of space can, can there be where people can feel their, be their whole self hmm. um, or or explore even what that might mean, or explore more more parts of themselves. Um, and I've explored that in various ways. Uh, like in my company, 
we've tried to implement a form of sociocracy about seven years ago. I read the Reinventing Organizations by Frederic Laloux. Uh, and I kind of changed almost everything overnight in the company. Um, and some people liked it and a lot of people didn't like it, but we survived somehow. <laughs> Um, and for me, like the main things that I, that I wanted to get from Frederic Laloux, which in a way we were already doing in the company before, but we didn't know that we we're doing that, is this idea of you can be your whole self at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then we implemented, tried to implement an advice process. Because um, I felt like all the other forms of holacracy had too many roles, like holacracy and people are tired of having too many rules. So I tried to do it without that many rules. And, you know, I don't, some things worked and some things didn't. So, but that's that's the part where I have the interest in in a non sort of, like you say on your website, non-domination based uh, space and Mm. organization. Mm. Um, But, I'm hoping that starting from scratch and in a place that's not necessarily a workplace with people who just opt in from the beginning instead of being forced into it by boss, it's, it's more likely to work well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that uh, answers your question, but. It's, it's helping. Um, like I hear the thing about, yeah, you know, you said something like being your whole self, you know, that there's, there's a like, yeah. there's a somehow like a spontaneous expression of who you are. And that, that in a lot of spaces that feels inhibited. So it's like, can we make a space where people can just actually be themselves mm-hmm. somehow? Um, and so then the other thing I was curious about is uh, I saw you posting on the Discord and saying, hey, these are the updates. And I was really excited and I said, mm-hmm. oh, I could look, maybe we should have a conversation. And your immediate response was, I don't want to have that conversation by myself. I think there should be more people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you invited Josh. And so I'm curious, like, what? what's behind that impulse for you not to have this conversation by yourself? Cause I think that points to something. Yeah. Um, I tried, I invited other people. It was short notice. So the other people couldn't show up like the other sort of organizations who are already involved. Um, but well, I don't want to be in charge and mm. I don't want it to be my vision. Mm. I want it to be something that gets collaboratively formed. Um, so, and I didn't want it to be, to turn into some like you on therapy session, you know? So I want it to be a community <laughs> thing, not about all my complexes. So, <laughs> uh, all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't commit to that, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I can't commit to uh, it not being an Ewan therapy session. No, no, I'm okay. (laughs) No, I like getting all the therapy I can get. It's just that um, I think it's more interesting if it's not Mm. focused just on me. Yeah. Mm. Um, So then what feels like, what feels like it's going really well and it's like just naturally flowing and it's like, wow, great. And then what is a bit stickier or confusing or painful or Be stuck stuck on. I think somehow I feel like I want to say a little more about mm. the, what we're trying to do before we get into that, or mm. because I I felt I started to feel inspired to have more sort of 
stories about what this could be recently. So I think that give more background. Um, um, so one one thing that I feel really inspired about now is the this the idea of what a place is hmm. versus what a space is. So this is a space, and we want to turn it into a place. Hmm. Um, and the place is a space with stories in it. Um, and that's what I got. I got that from Tyson Yankapora and from David Abram. Um, they had this amazing conversation, and I studied with David Abram, so I'm really inspired. So, like, how can we like how can we find the stories that belong in this place, so they want to emerge in this place? And uh, and one of the amazing parts is the first organization that kind of jumped in from the beginning is Theory uh, Pair which has been a, a nonprofit in Portland, been around for like 25 years, who's all about placemaking. They make um, intersections into public spaces where people feel cozy. They paint the streets and put cup benches and uh, libraries. So, uh, and they are interested in participating. So that's something about placemaking. Mm. Um, the, um, and another sort of way to tell a story is this concept of, Seniors that I just found on Twitter yesterday, um, but it makes total sense. So Brand Eno came up with this word S C E N I U S. So it's the genius. He says people think genius comes from a person, but actually genius comes from a community. So basically, genius is the the collective intelligence that arises when you have a group of people who have the right kind of relationships with each other. So of so we want to create a seniors, basically, or like find the seniors that's already here that needs a little bit more connecting. Mm. Um, mm. Um, yeah. And I've just seen like how, I think it was even yesterday on Twitter, like it seemed like 15 or 20 different people just jumped in when they saw the photos yes. of the space. And it's like that, mm-hmm. that level of enthusiasm and readiness, like it's like mm-hmm. a flood of water coming into a space, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like, it gives me it gives me hope that there is a seniors that wants to emerge you know it's like there's all that that was kind of what you were saying too josh that there's like a lot of activity happening and it's like mm-hmm. where how do we give it the right shape so that it can see itself and and, and come online mm-hmm. yeah so tell, yeah so with that background tell me um mm-hmm. what's not so easy yeah um i think at this point what's not so easy is that we don't have any structure um, and we don't have any, um, so we need like to, to have it clear who has what role. There's a lot of people involved and who, have, who are very generous with their time and energy, but we don't have any structure, but who has what role? Um, when is the place open? Um, you know, we have a calendar and, but so far like, I've kind of made the decisions on accepting or putting things on the calendar because other people don't feel don't have don't feel like they have the power to say yes yes so yet so those are the things that the structure part that I feel is not there yet but I I'm curious about what Josh you know would say about what's not going well yeah I guess for me there's a couple things that I that are interrelated. Um, <clears throat> The overall idea, and there's probably different ways to say this, but the idea of a shared reality and creating a shared reality within a community. Um, and that's, I mean, there's 
writing and storytelling and just being in relation with people that builds that. And then there's, I'm just kind of still exploring that idea. Um, and then I think within that is finding common language. There's been certain times when different people from different communities have come into the space and been talking about pretty similar ideas. And like, I can tell that they're pretty in line, but just the language that they're using to say these like similar things just creates more conflict when it's not really, I don't want to say not necessary, but it's just like not really there. Yeah, totally. There's, I think there's a whole process of like, uh, the group kind of working out what are our definitions and mm -hmm. like if that's not held in like a skillful way it can be a really frustrating painful like a conflict that mm -hmm. just seems like it takes a lot of energy and doesn't really generate much useful results you know mm -hmm. um i have a, a couple more things about things that are difficult yeah um one is that um We, um, how do we say it? We're still in our honeymoon. So in the honeymoon where people are just chatting and there's no pressure, or like there's no financial pressure yet. And so a lot of stuff is like how to prepare knowing that the honeymoon is going to end soon. And um, so we want to be ready for that and knowing that it's coming. So um, and anticipating that. And um, Another thing that I think is harder to talk about is that I'm really interested in making sure that people who come in from different groups and want to be involved feel like they can maintain their own culture and their own way of doing things while still interfacing with other people who are here and that they don't have to conform or figure out like, oh, what is the culture of this place? How do you need to do things here? I want to make sure that very clear that um that everybody can maintain their own way of doing things they don't have to agree on stuff mm. they don't even have to talk about things i mm. like sometimes to the extreme and to the extent that we have a clear structure of how you share space um that you, um you don't have to spend time in endless meetings or have to have to show up on meetings there's a um, and that's the kind of structure I'm interested in. And I think that's hard. Or I don't, I don't know a lot of models where, where that's the case, because my impression is that a lot of the, these kind of spaces form around one group. They know each other, they like each other. So they know what culture they want and set the culture from the beginning. And that's very helpful yeah. because they can trust each other. And we don't have that. Yeah. And, and but hopefully that's a source of, I'm hoping that can be a source of richness instead of an endless source of conflict. So. Totally. Yeah. I think um, I, it's, it reminds me of like what I've been, I, I've, I know I haven't really figured out how to articulate this in the best way yet, but it's what I was really trying to get at in the, in the retreat in Denver about pluralism, this idea that mm -hmm. we really want to hold difference and, and not collapse that difference down to a unity. And, mm -hmm. and that's actually countercultural for a lot of people. It's really common mm -hmm. that people think that like, I'm standing for something really important, you know, like all of these mm -hmm. kind of uh, social good projects that you're talking about, yeah. they're all motivated mm -hmm. by very strong values. And so it's really common mm -hmm. that they'll have a sense like, this is what good looks yeah. like. And we need to like, make sure that everyone is participating in mm -hmm. this good way of doing things. 
Um, and it might there might be some some way that you can signal to people on their way in, like, okay, this space mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit different than you might expect. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I also talk about the minimum viable consensus. So what do we actually need to agree on? Mm-hmm. It's not that much, mm-hmm. you know, like it, there can be like yeah. a thin protocol layer that everyone agrees to yeah. and, and actively invite people into the tension of there's this group mm-hmm. and this group and this group, and they're really different. You know, like this is a, mm-hmm. this is a religious group that's from some ethnic minority and they've got a specific culture that comes with that. And we're not mm-hmm. expecting them to change it because there's this group of young techie people or, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really. Um, I, yeah. Just a, I wonder if there's a way to signal that to people and prime them. Um, mm-hmm. Because if that, if that signaling is not there, I think that people kind of naturally get kind of defensive and just instinctively go like, oh, they're doing it wrong. They should change. And I'll, I'll be the one to mm-hmm. make them change. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's a pretty right source for conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some. I mean, somebody came, just as an example, some really amazing guy came through and said like, oh, I know 12 art collectives in Portland and I'm, I'm a member of seven of them and I can tell you, I can help you guys and you just need to figure out what your theme is. And then, and I said like, we don't have a theme. <laughs> we, we don't want to have a theme. We want to have the place where all these people can come in and mm-hmm. hang out. Then we're probably not going to be exactly an art collective but we want to be friends. We want to be a place where people come to find where all the other art collectives are. Um, <laughs> I'm so familiar with this challenge of like, <laughs> it's supposed to be complex. Like we can't pin it down. That's the point. <laughs> um, yeah. I want to tell you a story. I um, mm-hmm. So there's a whole crew of us that met during the Occupy movement in Wellington. And after Occupy kind of fizzled in our context, um, that crew went on and did two different things in parallel. And one was starting the Lumio software co-op. Mm-hmm. And the other was starting this art collective in a physical space in town. Um, and it was called 17 Tory Street. And it was mm-hmm. it was rad. It worked really, really well. Like it was kind of su- it's surprisingly good experiment. Um, first of all, we had, we were just lucky that we were given the space to use for almost free for a few years. And it was like an amazing space in the middle of the city. That was a huge advantage, obviously. Um, but we had a similar spirit to what I'm hearing from you. Like, I don't want to pin it down too much. It's it's supposed mm-hmm. to be chaotic. There's supposed to be a lot of difference bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. And so even like, how do you write the website for that? It's hard, you know? And so <laughs> mm-hmm. what we came down to was, so there was a little crew of us at first and we wrote the web website, like, hey, we've got the space. It's a big opportunity. We don't want to define it too much. These are some of the activities that we've imagined that could happen just to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. But don't be constrained by this list. Just take it as inspiration. Yeah. These are the hard constraints. Like we have to be careful about noise. There's this time limits, da, da, da. There's some certain things that we can't do. And here's an application form. And if you want to use the space, just fill in the form. Mm-hmm. And we had a policy of basically accepting as close as we could to 100% of the applications. And mm-hmm. it was just, you make the form, you know, kind of long. So there's a little bit of effort you've got to go to, to fill it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And the, the way that we ran it was every event needed to have a liaison. So like there's someone from the team who who's like interfacing with the person, giving them the keys, making sure they understand the rules and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then at the end of the, the event, we say, hey, if you're interested, like the way that the space works based on volunteers. So if you want to be a liaison, you can join. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of low barrier to entry meant there was always like Mm-hmm. four or five people that were willing volunteers that had capacity and there's just like mm-hmm. a constant slow turnover mm-hmm. 
And the systems were really efficient. So there was like a Google calendar. We used Lumio for our decision-making about what things could go ahead, like just mm -hmm. super, super lightweight and tried yeah. to run it as efficiently mm -hmm. as possible so that it didn't take a lot of, didn't take meetings. We didn't mm -hmm. need to have any meetings. It was like mm -hmm. every couple of months we'd get That's together great. for a social, mm -hmm. but we weren't having to spend a lot of time. And, mm -hmm. and, and just by maintaining that attitude of like, it's an open invitation. We don't know what the space is for. You have to tell us. Um, mm -hmm. meant that it did over time cultivate a real significant kind of diversity that I don't know any other way to get at, you know, like people came that we never mm -hmm. even kind of knew existed and then made it their own place. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that was, that was like really, really successful. And I think a lot of it was just about driving the coordination cost really, really low so that you could just mm -hmm. have a few people contributing a few hours a month. And that was enough to keep the thing rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's exactly what we're looking for. And it's sort of, a little bit what's already happening mm. um yeah what do you think josh um yeah yeah no i like i like that like lightweight low overhead almost idea <clears throat> yeah and i mean that's mm. kind of like what you said you want we kind of have that going right now we especially because we're only like i mean not even two months into this the especially the first few weeks there was kind of like this i at least felt this this like just trying to figure out what was going on, figure out how much to infuse like our specific organizational energy from Portland Regenerative Technology Project and, and how much like how to leave space open and all of that. And, and I actually like have found some pretty good guidance through, <laughs> through microsolidarity and not, not looking to be a leader, mm. but looking to be a host. Mm. And that's really like, that's really resonated with me. And I've just worked to make myself available in that space a good amount of time and mm -hmm. reaching out to people and open for the community and network to just come in and like mm -hmm. tell them my perspective of what's going on and try to share other perspectives of, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, what's mm -hmm. happening in this greater whole. Yeah, that's so sweet to hear. I see um, Josh, the way he takes people around on a tour and he's amazing. He's just a, a way of uh, just having this beautiful, uh, warm energy and people feel welcome and they open up and, and then they end up having these crazy conversations about lots of other things uh, that have nothing to do with the space. And that's, I think that's the genius of it, you know. Josh, how did you learn, where do you think you learned uh, that kind of hospitality skill? Hmm. I've realized over the last few years that my almost my entire life I've been an organizer. I mean, one, just shout out to my parents for raising me well. And but I've always been an organizer. I grew up in like grew up in the Jewish community. I was doing Jewish youth group stuff, mm -hmm. went in through high school sports, like was doing stuff in college, and then after college, every phase of my life in actually very distinctly different types of communities been organizing and I've really just kind of realized through that how much just meeting people where they're at and like being real and just like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody who doesn't totally feel safe entering a space or just is hesitant at all and just listening literally just listening and asking mm -hmm. questions it's mm -hmm. like where I start off you know mm, it's so good it's so good it's yeah. um in my mental model, like when I, my own political, political economy is basically like what the world needs is like a movement of hosts. It's like a movement of people that understand mm -hmm. how to meet mm -hmm. someone where they are, 
understand mm-hmm. that they don't feel totally settled and safe and give them that experience of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to help you get oriented and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to yeah. have some curiosity and feel that social engagement and connection. Like, it's awesome that you've yeah. got it without having necessarily had to like really hard. It's not, it doesn't sound like it was yeah. really hard for you to get that. Well, I, I saw these small intentional things where like there's a new person and they're stuck in this group conversation and not going anywhere. And Josh is peeling them off and taking yeah. them on a one-to-one tour. And it's perfect. You know? That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, you can also organize the furniture to kind of try and prevent those large, group yeah. boring mm-hmm. clusters, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, just like an ending note on that. As like, <clears throat> I really appreciate the conversations and thoughts that you have rich on on like identity and mm-hmm. when i've been organizing for a while now and as i've gone more recently into more political and i guess more serious types of organizing there's like i just i've been analyzing more and more my privilege and my identity and mm-hmm. with who i am and my experiences that i've had i recognize that one of the roles that I can play is like you said, or like, like I said, meeting people where they're at and just really, yeah, I, I see that there's a lot of different perspectives out there. And like most people in the, like in the spaces that are currently and like have historically existed, most of those perspectives have not been accepted or even given space and just really like want to work towards that also. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the spaces that I've been in that actually felt they had genuinely cultivated a diverse set of people who feel ownership there. Um, This quality of hospitality is the main ingredient in my opinion. It's not, Mm. it's not the political analysis. It's not the having the right things written on the wall about this is what's important to us. Like I'm sure that's important in some way, but the thing that makes the difference is really, can you actually meet someone and give them your respect and your attention equally, even though they've come from a really different context and they're bringing different values with them and showing up in a way that might be a little bit jarring or confusing. Like, can you actually hold mm-hmm. that? And, and to have someone that's yeah, playing a core role, that's modeling that out to the rest of the room is like completely crucial. I wanted to pick up, um, I think you said, Ewan, I wrote down anyway in my notes, um, mm-hmm. who has the power to say yes. And mm-hmm. that that was one part of the story that I wanted to highlight, that um, mm-hmm. that when we started our space, we were, we were clear there's like a core team and then there was this concept of a liaison and like there's like mm-hmm. kind of defined thresholds and like this is how you become a qualified decision maker. And so I was mm-hmm. just wondering... Um, yeah, how do you imagine people going from Josh is showing them around the space and they're going, oh, my mm-hmm. imagination is popping to like now yeah. they are now in a role where they can show people around or they can make decisions or yeah. like have, have power? Yes, that's a that's a good question. And I, I guess I don't know. But so far what's happening, it's some sort of this like basic vibe check <laughs> that's kind of we don't even necessarily talk that much about, but like there's like, somehow there's a vibe check at the beginning and then there's the people who, and it's basically by people showing up, whoever shows up and spends time in the space just becomes part of the 
core group by showing up and and uh, in their own special way and presuming that nothing weird happens. Uh, and so far, nothing really weird has happened. So, but I think we need more, something more than that, but that's what's happening now. So I don't know. So what, what do you think we should do um, for that, with that process? Because I don't know. Um, at some stage, and it, maybe it's too early to do this, but at some stage, it's really useful to run the lens of like, there's a certain percentage of people that are essentially psychopaths and they're what they're psychopaths (laughs) and it's like three percent or something like that like it's a significant percentage of people and you have to think about like once you've got one or two hundred people that are regularly involved in the space you're going to have to deal with some people that are just really difficult you know like they're not i don't want to demonize these people or anything like that but there, there are people that show up with certain uh personality traits and mental health conditions and so on that just make the the subtle informal vibe check doesn't work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of the reasons that these kind of um, emergent community endeavors fall over is they're not resilient against um, people who show up as bad actors. They might not actually be intentionally being bad actors, but that's how their mm-hmm. impact can be. Um, and so for me, there's like kind of an art form of defining just the right amount of structure so that you have, so for example, like with the space that I was describing, we would invite you to be a liaison, you know, like there's an explicit mm-hmm. um, line that you cross and you know that you've crossed it and then you say yes to cross it. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not by default, you know, it's like most people will get the invitation, but we always have the the option of like not, not doing mm-hmm. that. And we're not super public about it as well. Like if you were just a mm-hmm. casual user of the space, you wouldn't even really know that there's this kind of like core team. Um, it wouldn't be that mm-hmm. obvious to you. Um, mm-hmm. And so like having some kind of definition about how do you come into the circle of decision makers, mm-hmm. I think um, mm-hmm. might be something to do in your honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I really agree with that framing as well, that you're in a honeymoon and, and you've got an opportunity and you've got to use it before the good energy runs out because it, there will be a point where uh, the enthusiasm is not enough anymore and you suddenly you have these like these, these tensions. So there are a few things that I think would be good to try and get in place in the next couple of months. And that would be, close to the top of my list, I think. And not to keep like, <laughs> keep citing like, the solidarity, <clears throat> but it's something that like, again, just really resonated with me when I've read it a few times is that when you create solidarity at like a small level, whether it's just with one other person or with your crew, like there's solidarity means a lot of stuff. It also means accountability. It means trust and like, so many more things that alone I don't know if that like can help with like the the psychopath (laughs) problem but I there's definitely yeah there's definitely some room there for people to just be able to speak what is on their mind and in a place that's not like out to everybody and can like yeah um I think it really helps to just have like lots of lots of small group so it's like this person, maybe they're not a good fit for the decision-making circle, but they might be awesome for the like, how's the physical layout of the space going and like how that could be improved, you mm-hmm. know, like having lots of different small semi-autonomous clusters where people can find their place to mm-hmm. contribute, I think helps a lot. So mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like a binary yes or no, you're in or out. It's like, there's lots yeah. of places to be in. So the part that I'm interested in structurally is that 
um, how to welcome groups of people that already have tight relationships between them and their own culture and mm. uh, how these groups can coordinate or that sort of light coordination between the groups and the different cultures. Like we have a group um, of people who actually were the original inspiration for the space because three years ago, um, right before the pandemic, they organized a few magical events here, like an ecstatic dance with live music and um, fusion partner dancing and singer-songwriter stories. And so, and they, they are sort of, they've had, have a lot of experience. They've been doing community things and participatory arts, what they call participatory arts for like 10 years. And they have experienced what it's like to have a lot of volunteers and how to filter people out and how to deal with the sort of weird energies. So it's going to be, that's going to be kind of our first um, uh, question is like, do they feel safe enough or what, what, what makes them feel safe enough to be involved in this, knowing that there's a bunch of other like younger people who don't have the experience of having had like 10 years of doing community things together who will take some things for granted or so that, that's the, um, and yeah, so that, that's the question. And then there's like city repair that has their own culture of doing things for 20 years. And hopefully we stay open to other groups who have their own culture and figure out how to fit in the space. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Mm. Like um, the teapot people who have been just mm. hanging out on Twitter, you know, for the yeah. last two years. Yeah. Uh, and the, t the teapot people from Twitter, they really bring a distinctive set of norms, which are different from what I'm imagining from the people you've described. Like mm -hmm. there's some, a really different political analysis going on in that, in that crew, which yeah. I, mm -hmm. I really love, but it's different. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what comes up for me, there's two, two answers. One is, um, one is leaning on that hospitality side of things. So like, mm -hmm. uh, can, is there a, is there a good, afternoon or an evening to get everyone together and to eat food mm -hmm. together and to just have an opportunity for like a representative from each group to do like a five minute mm -hmm. hey look this is what we do mm -hmm. this is what we're excited about mm -hmm. that you know just yeah. a little bit of social contact mm -hmm. and and maybe some facilitated yeah. you know like make sure that you distribute all the people around different dinner tables or something like that so there's just a little mm -hmm. bit of opportunity yeah. for people to meet so that's mm -hmm. a more like just create the social fabric side of things mm -hmm. Um, my instinct is not to do too much collective governance mm -hmm. there. I, my governance impulse is basically what I, what I would often do is like, there's a, there's a kind of, there's like a decision-making phase before consensus, which is about one person going around, bringing a question to one group. So like going to the city repair people and saying, what would be like the minimum set of agreements you'd need to feel really safe and secure in this place. Mm -hmm. And then, and then just get a rough sketch of what they have in mind and then take yeah. that and take it to the next group and say, I've been trying to figure out what would be a minimum set. And I've got these ideas. What do you, mm -hmm. are there any that stick out to you? Is there anything missing? And kind of like just gradually mm -hmm. one by one, take it around the circle mm -hmm. um, and see if you can, in your role as being good with complexity, sit in the middle of that and see if you can just feel mm -hmm. ah, there is a minimum viable consensus here and I can just bring it to mm -hmm. the group and say hey I've talked to a bunch of people mm -hmm. 
this is the first draft. Mm -hmm. I know there's some mm -hmm. things missing, but is this good enough to roll for the next three mm -hmm. months? And then just put a mark mm -hmm. in the calendar and say, we're going to mm -hmm. do this again in three months. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just describing that process as opposed to starting from a circle with eight or 15 people or something and saying, mm -hmm. what should we agree on? And before you know it, you just yeah. have everyone's like projections and triggers and polarizations all like yeah. trying to get mm -hmm. resolved simultaneously. And it's like mm -hmm. very difficult to impossible. Yeah. That makes sense. Yes. Uh, hmm. 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 One one thing that's arising is uh, how to organize for the boring stuff getting done. Because uh, there, there's stuff that everybody's excited about and there's stuff that nobody really wants to do. And I really want to value the people who do the stuff that usually people don't want to do because that's what keeps the place alive and keeps it from falling apart. Um, so, and I've noticed you, when you facilitate meetings, you take care at, at sort of, of, of that layer of like making sure that people don't commit to doing too much because there's certain kinds of people who always end up doing the, the caring and loving and boring stuff and they get burned out because everybody ends up defaulting to them and relying on them. and. Um, Especially there's all these dudes whose Donald's genius is just talking and like coming up with fancy ideas and not getting anything done, you know. Uh, so like <laughs> there's too many, yeah. Uh, to, you know. So um, I wonder what your feeling is about how to really value that. Um, and so far, I feel like we've had a good balance because there's people who are like, and there's usually people who are in the middle. They're already we found there's already people who are connecting they're involved in theory repair and then the alchemy, alchemy arts and a bunch of other things so and and people who really want to be involved and they're they're doing the boring stuff and have a bunch of exciting ideas at the same time but i don't know if you have a process for that for how to do that openly from the beginning so that it doesn't come up later it's like um you guys have been relying on me and it's not okay you know yeah um, I think you should really talk to Drew at Shared Ground about this um, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of this is handled by like just good agile practices like Kanban, like having a, having a to-do list that's transparent and where you're actually seeing the work in progress and there's like names attached to mm -hmm. it and there's a way of uh, mm -hmm. just creating more transparency and more legibility about what's mm -hmm. happening i mean even what you just mm -hmm. did and uh, you know you said oh josh does this when people come into the space like making it known like having an opportunity to name what i've seen someone contribute here like you could do a little ritual around mm -hmm. that at one of your meetings or something like mm -hmm. everyone just quickly name one thing they've seen someone do that they value or you know mm -hmm. like, it's about like the when you talk about like the dudes who talk a lot and like don't clean up or something like that i think about that mostly as a visibility problem like that the dudes were trained 
from an early age to not notice that there's someone going around cleaning up after them. And you can give them a whole bunch of like scolding and shaming and <laughs> then they get all defensive or you can just like bring it to their own awareness in a way that they can actually see it and mm -hmm. realize like, oh, this is how you participate. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking like something transparent, post-it notes, like mm -hmm. rosters, rotating things. We had, a, I lived mm -hmm. in a really great shared house in New Zealand and we had, um, I think we had like eight people there and we had seven chores that needed to be done every week. And then the, we had, so to, because we had eight people, we had the eighth thing, which was just um, any kind of improvement you can make. So it's like, you know, take the rubbish out, do the washing, whatever. And then the eighth one is make the place better somehow. And so there's like every week we just rotate that and it's your turn to, oh, now I have to make the place better. So like any kind of system like that, we mm -hmm. can just visualize who's doing what and, and make sure that people understand what is this list mm -hmm. of boring stuff that needs to be done. Um, and the other thing that Drew's been talking about, his idea, he's thinking about like, how do you make a self-running space? So for example, mm -hmm. who actually knows how to put the trash out? There's a bunch of little detailed information about where's the bags come from, where's the dumpster, mm -hmm. how do I supposed to separate mm -hmm. it? Like hardly anyone is going to know that. And so one or two people are going to always do it and they're going to get resentful. So he's like, there should be a QR code on the trash container that says, mm -hmm. please take me out. Here's the instructions. And you just need like a simple mm -hmm. wiki or a Google doc or something like that, where people can, yep. mm -hmm. you know, yeah. there's some system where people can, I'm, I'm really thinking this is maybe a little tech intervention here that they can generate mm -hmm. new QR codes and new like operating manuals for like, how do you run the space? I think that could be really mm -hmm. cool to find that. Um, and yeah, I think it's mostly about visibility. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that comes to me. And, and like celebration, like yeah. the reason that people get burnt out is mm -hmm. because they're contributing and they're not getting any acknowledgement. Mm. Yes. And it doesn't rotate. They get, they're, being, they're stuck being the only person doing that and not getting a break. Yeah. yeah. Or, mm. What are your thoughts mm. about building a sense of, I mean, I don't know if ownership is the right word, but as more people and groups are coming in, they're natural. I mean, most people are naturally going to feel like this is new to me. I don't want to push too hard on what I want, but there's like kind of this flip side of like ownership and like responsibility. And like, as being one of like the earlier people to like be like a host in the space, it's, that's like one of the bigger things that I'm like kind of mm -hmm. still struggling with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I see that as, um, uh, it's like half of there's a kind of polarized dynamic here which is on the one hand you want people to take ownership and and you want to invite them in to take more ownership and and yeah acknowledge that people might need a bit of encouragement and then at the other end of the spectrum you have um people who do have disproportionate influence need to be honest about that so like you know and it's your space at the moment you know like it's your mm -hmm. yeah it's it's your financial risk at the moment and and mm -hmm. In, in your desire to be co-creative and open, it's easy to mm -hmm. lose track of the fact that you actually got a unique responsibility. And like, yeah. if you're really pissed off at some point, that actually is going to threaten everyone. And so we need to be like kind of transparent about that and not, not have that come mm -hmm. as a like nasty surprise later. So what's coming mm -hmm. to me is like, I'm imagining a wall and you have like Polaroids of everyone that's participating. And then like a whole stack mm -hmm. of post-it notes of like all the micro roles that I'm involved in. And one mm -hmm. of them might be Ewan saying, <laughs> I have the financial liability of like, if this thing goes horribly wrong. And you can also have 
maybe there'd be a way of kind of dividing it of like, these are the roles that I love to hold. These are the ones I'm okay doing. These are the ones I want to get rid of. And I'm really looking for a volunteer to like take it off me. And that could update, you know, once a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like just um, mm-hmm. and, and then when someone new comes in, I could imagine a ritual or something of like, after they've been there for a few hours, it's like, so what's your first micro role that you want to pick up? Like what's, mm-hmm. what comes to you? Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah. it just rearranging the furniture a little bit or is it some, no, no, I've got this really bold project or yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so that I think people feel a lot of, one of the ways that people feel they belong is when they know what their contribution is and mm-hmm. when they're first getting started, it helps to name it for them and, and make a guess, yeah. you know, like it could be this, could be this, could be this. And yeah, obviously mm-hmm. they pressure them, but um yeah, it's 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 really settling to know like, oh, I look mm-hmm. I I make sure that we've always got fresh air in the building. Awesome, great. Like that's enough, you know, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. doesn't have to be like a massive commitment. Mm-hmm. Oh. <clears throat> Do you have any post-it notes on the wall at the moment? No, we have them on the table, but people haven't put them on the wall yet. And yeah. But we have lots of walls to put. We have giant post-it notes and small post-it notes. So yeah, maybe we need to start it, seed it, and then people add stuff to it. Yeah, um, yeah Drew and Abby both have got awesome, awesome experience with how you use the wall as the main mm-hmm. governance mechanism. Um, mm-hmm. There's a thing called the Community Mastery Board, which is a way of like kind of hearing about things that are not going so well and then processing them really rapidly and like coming up with suggestions mm-hmm. about how they mm-hmm. can be improved and that sort of thing like mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff like that um i'll make a note i'll find you a link to the community mastery board because that's great that could be could mm-hmm. be perfect for this mm-hmm. context i think the other thing i want to say that's really important um and it's a bit like what i was describing with making this decision by going around one by one by one mm-hmm. um is having that rhythm of reflection so like like I said, mm-hmm. here's my first draft of an agreement and we will revise it in three months. You're like knowing that that revision is actually going to happen and it's dependable uh, frees up a lot of space for people. They're like, okay, this is not perfect, mm-hmm. but I can put up with it for a couple of months and then, and then mm-hmm. we'll improve it. Like, and if you can bake that into your ritual somehow that everyone knows mm-hmm. there's a monthly meeting or a quarterly mm-hmm. meeting or something, you know, that that's kind of dependable, mm-hmm. that would make a big difference, I think. Yeah, we hmm. try we're trying to have like Thursdays be just kind of like an open full community time. Um, that might be like almost too quick of a cadence there. And it could be that you wind up with, with kind of like nested rhythms, you know, so like there's a weekly thing, um, but then there's kind of like bigger issues, which never get addressed at that. And you have mm-hmm. that on a monthly or quarterly. Yeah. You know, you'll kind of find that out over time. Yeah. I think one pattern now is that people are, waiting for everybody to be around before talking about things as opposed to Uh feeling empowered to do like okay there's two of us here let's let's decide or figure things out and that that i think we need to clarify that like and then that it's okay if not everybody's there you don't have to wait for everybody to talk about something and like go and do it or you know when because we don't i think we don't have the boundaries necessarily about what are all the things that you can do without checking in with everybody so that needs to be more more open more clear yeah that you don't have to wait yeah yeah i would guess that a weekly rhythm is probably too much for most people 
to expect them yeah, to show yeah. up. But if it was like a monthly mm-hmm. thing where you said like, mm-hmm. basically the expectation here is you can do whatever you want within some sanity limits. Um, mm-hmm. But every month we're going to stop and check in and say, like, was yeah. there any new thing that happened there that you really felt not mm-hmm. so great about that we need to talk about? Yeah. And know that that's mm-hmm. going to happen. And like, you should show up to that meeting because that's going to be where you're, mm-hmm. that's where you get a chance to have yeah. your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about before it's over is about money mm. and the sort of the the different forms of value and different forms of capital that people have and bring in exchange in this space. Um, so, because uh, I. I think a lot of the part of the motivation from people joining is also to explore that realm of what other values are there, what are the ways of contributing in exchange there are. So, um, but there's also a reality at the end of the day that the mortgage needs to be paid, you know, and uh, and eventually, ideally, people who are working here and contributing, ideally, they get paid, you know. Um, instead of, I mean, I think relying on volunteers is how a lot of things get done, but also um, if people are doing awesome things, ideally there's a way they, they get paid, you know, um, in some way. Um, so, um, so we have some basic sort of things that we talked about, or at least things I thought of, and then other people have already come up with like budgets and things and then um which i'm not even aware of but like everybody's like thinking about stuff like that um so the basic sort of uh, the basic boundaries are that what i what i offer would be that whatever entity emerges out of this is not going to have to basically not going to have to pay the mortgage or contribute the mortgage for the first year um, so we have a year to figure things out to prove that whatever is happening here is sustainable enough so that in the second year they can cover this percentage of the mortgage and whatever other expenses are happening in the place. So that's like the boundary, the outer boundary. Um, so, and then within that boundary, there's people, a lot of people who are contributing a lot of time and energy and creativity and or contributing their social capital, the fact that like they're the ones who are connecting everybody and they have developed these relationships over 20 years. So they know people and people come because they trust uh, they trust them. Like you just wrote a very sweet tweet about me and now uh, the whole Vibe Camp universe is ready to come and check out the space just because you said I was wiggly in, in, uh, in Denver. So that's amazing, you know? Um, um, so people are contributing all these things and sometimes they contribute and it makes them feel great because they contribute to that and they don't need something in exchange. But a lot of times we, you know, ideally we figure out what the exchange is of energy mm. in that way. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, usually in spaces like this, things become fairly transactional. Like um, this room you can rent it for this much time per hour. And then this other room will cost this much. And um, and then you can be a member for this much. And, and being a member gives you access to this and that. Um, um, 
and um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of bored with that model. I want to find something else. Yeah. I mean, I. Oh. So um, the I'm hoping like my sort of unrealistic uh, idea is that somehow whatever is happening in the space is so amazing and that people want to contribute and be members without having a clear transaction. What do I get by being a member? They just sign up to be a member, like, because they're ready to, they're ready to give $50 to the gym, knowing that they're not going to go to the gym just because they have a dream of going or being the person who goes to the gym. So why don't they give 50 bucks or hundred plus to a place that, does way more stuff than the gym where people are actually happy and it gives them a sense of identity which is better than the one you get by not going or thinking you're going to the gym you know um, so yeah. like yeah. your gym for your soul you know for your community <laughs> so um, um so I, I want people to feel like yeah i want to give a 100 bucks and maybe i'll show up maybe i won't um so because if we get 100 people to give 100 bucks a month or 200 people to give 50 bucks a month i'll cover um enough of the basic stuff yeah um and i think that's not realistic but that's why i'd like it yeah to be yeah, yeah, yeah i would love it if you had a conversation with diana from Blivanda in stockholm because mm-hmm. they um they've had to do a lot of experimentation to find a business model that works and mm-hmm. i think what they've come up with is really complex and that's mm-hmm that's what I have in mind for you as well. Like that you might find that there's this whole, all these different parts that kind of like make a patchwork. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I would play with the idea of a, a membership. That's a very low barrier to entry, you know, like I've done with mm-hmm. the micro solidarity network. If you want to come to the monthly calls, it's three bucks a month, you know, this like mm-hmm. just a little token that says, um, I don't want to keep anyone away, but I also want to put people in the frame mm-hmm. of mind of like, there is some kind of value exchange going on here. And there's mm-hmm. a little, there's a little threshold. So like, it could be interesting to play with that, that sort mm-hmm. of level five bucks a month kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then depending on what the space is like, like I know a few spaces that, that can, can earn really high rates as a, like we rent it out for an advertising agency for like two nights and that kind of pays for the month mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, like these, these kind of things yeah. that you mm-hmm. can as a studio. Um, and then you wind up having these like, grants from the city council and then there's like some anchor tenants Mm -hmm. that pay just like normal rent for like a normal office Mm -hmm. and you just have this Mm -hmm. whole like coalition of different income Mm -hmm. streams like that Mm -hmm. that seems kind of realistic to me that it winds up being this patchwork of different things Mm -hmm. yeah i think just talk to people that have that have got more experience of actually covering the rent yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um so um I guess one question I have is around the basic, I mean, there's going to be two modes of interaction in a way just to simplify it, that people are have access to the space by volunteering and doing the work that makes the space, keeps the space alive. And then there's some other people who want to use the space but cannot or volunteer or don't want to. And I want to figure out how to ask them to contribute other than having like a set rate that might not make sense, the same rate, set rate for everybody. So I want to have this an invitation for everybody who comes in to ask them 
how do you want to contribute, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've been joking and telling people we're doing the Marxist thing from everybody according to their abilities to everybody according to their needs, you know? But but people are uncomfortable. They want to know, like, okay, I want to use a space. What do you want? And they, mm-hmm. I put them in this uncomfortable place to think about mm-hmm. how they want to contribute, um, which, you know, some people are up for and some people are not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. Um, one couple of things that come to mind. One is, yeah, it is like you can't put too much on them, you know, like that you've got way more context than they do. And mm-hmm. you actually have to help them make a good decision that like you can't just sort of say, like, contribute what you want. Like, you're not going to get good mm-hmm. answers from that usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so there needs to be a bit more guidance. Um, I'm just, I, what comes to mind is just have really good parties once a month and just have a ticket price mm-hmm. that people are excited to come and pay 30 bucks to mm-hmm. go to a really good party, you know? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is I went into a space once and they had, they had like a tablet at the door that had a tap your credit card here to pay us five bucks donation mm-hmm. thing, like super, super streamlined mm-hmm. user experience that just made it really easy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to really mm-hmm. think about it. You don't have to do it mm-hmm. if you don't want to, but like you just watch people tap their card as they walk in. Like that felt mm-hmm. really good um mm-hmm. and yeah i'm just like just run some experiments and see you know just be, yeah, yeah. be, be mm-hmm. explicit about this is the experiment we're running yeah. this month and mm-hmm. what we learn and then yeah. iterate and iterate mm-hmm. intentionally yeah. and, and mm-hmm. just put that minimum structure around it and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll find things which stick yeah mm-hmm. and yeah that makes sense but yeah yeah i just wanted to add there's one of you mentioned a little bit ago of like there's different types of value and like i'm interested in the idea of like multiple forms of capital or like eight forms of capital and financial is just one like we might be able to find whatever a company or a nonprofit that's pretty well funded that can even infuse some of the financial capital they have to supplement for somebody or organization community that might be disadvantaged and doesn't have that financial capital but has the cultural capital the experiential capital and so many other so many other forms and that there can be these kind of like transfusions, I guess, mm. from different forms of capital to another to enable for like just more participation, yeah, and accessibility. Yeah, totally. And this is like, I mean, the timing's a bit off, but this is one of the good things about having crypto people involved is that it's like, whoa, there's all this funny money floating around and and like anyone that's actually doing a social good project with like regenerative focus and like regenerative technology can really attract a good chunk of donation funding and and like having a few tenants like that in the space that are in that kind of position to be able to be a little bit more generous than average, like creates a lot more padding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just you on creating, like having space for us and giving us this mm-hmm. year long runway. And at first it was six months. And then once he kind of saw that there was cool stuff going on, it seems suddenly I was hearing mm-hmm. 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, just having, I mean, I don't know how much it could be rented out for each month, but it is such an infusion that like, it is just taking, yeah, the value that's being created just from that being there is like immense. I mean, to to be just honest, I tried to rent it and it's hard to rent a space like this in this market. So there's an abundance that comes from the scarcity of where the economic cycle is. It's not, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't have to have a hard stop, but I have noticed my attention span is starting to disintegrate mm-hmm. slightly. So I wonder if each of us have any last, like one 
if you think about like as you're going well we're heading into the weekend but then the following week like what's up ahead of you um yeah anything you feel puzzled about or like that would just be fun to discuss hmm. I think it'd be fun just to have the recording of this chat as a way to show people kind of what we are about. And that, that'd be like, it's a great calling card. So I really appreciate you um, doing that. Cause like, it's kind of a first barrier to entry. You wanna, you wanna be involved. Like you spend an hour watching us talk about stuff just to see what the vibe is, you know, if you have it that much energy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you. Yeah. And kind of on that note of just making things legible for people, create, I mean, yeah. showing what's going on, having, and yeah. having different mediums for that. Different people yeah. need to take in information in different ways. And in the process of creating this shared reality or, or seamless, it's mm -hmm. it's so i mean it's it's hard somebody walks in the door and they have if they don't have context like if they got invited by somebody they they have no idea what's going on and it takes time to like mm -hmm. show what's going mm -hmm. on so i don't know that's just yeah something that's constantly in my head but yeah. mm -hmm. um i saw you say something on twitter Ewan, about it sounded like we're not in a big hurry to put up a website that tells you what we're doing. <laughs> we prefer you come yeah. down. And I'm like, so into that concept and, and like, you need mm -hmm. to, I think you need digital for some things, but um, having this real strong bias towards like, come on in. We'll love to see yeah. you. We'll have a great time. But if you're not coming in, you're not really our priority. <laughs> like, I love that. I mean, I was, I was sort of, I was enjoying the attention and sort of felt, I felt like I was flexing some sort of like, yes, we're, about getting together in person and that's why we're not gonna put the website up first yeah. but i so i i wonder about that tension because without a website it's hard for people to understand but also like if you don't come in person i don't know if i'm gonna if you're gonna we can't do the vibe check through the website right um uh, <laughs> yeah and then like we don't have enough of a of a vibe solidly solidly existing so yeah. that like we so that we can put it on the website and then people get enough from the website not context that they'll just get it you know yeah because words you know are words and so that is the balance between being legible and being illegible like how how long do we need to stay illegible until there there is enough sort of um culture established that it won't be disturbed by having a website. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there is a sequence to things. And mm -hmm. and I think you're you, you know, you're kind of like feeling it out um intuitively. My what comes to me as I reflect back on the conversation is um there's a few pieces. So there's one, I want to define this thing around power and roles and who gets to say yes to things. Like have mm -hmm. some kind of threshold that people know they're crossing. Yeah. Um I want something about the minimum viable consensus and defining like what are mm -hmm. our expectations of each other just at a minimum mm -hmm. level and and kind of dealing with people's 
wishes for that to be a lot bigger than it is and saying, no, that's not actually happening yet. Um, mm-hmm. And then something about rhythms, something about just like making sure yeah. that there's mm-hmm. a, a rhythm of experimentation. Mm-hmm. People know that those reflections are yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like getting those things in place with just the mm-hmm. people that are already here and the people that are showing up, yeah. um, which mm-hmm. might take a couple of months to settle in. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. just like gradually, like then start thinking about the money, you know, a little bit further down the mm-hmm. line, like yeah. then start mm-hmm. thinking about the website then start thinking about how do we attract more people, mm-hmm. those sorts of questions. Like I would just, yeah, yeah especially yeah. focus on getting that rhythm right. And then, then you're mm-hmm. much more, you're a, you've got much more agility to handle whatever's coming your way. Right. That's just my hunch. No, no, that makes a lot of sense. Those are like three things that are basics and, and it won't be easy to actually get them to happen. So we'll need to focus on that. Yeah. It also reminds me of something Charles Eisenstein. I, I'm, I really love Charles Eisenstein and, you know, sacred economy, gift economy. And he said, like, in a piece, like the best way to do something now is don't have a website, just have a word of mouth thing. And uh, have it be really exclusive like only the people who are meant to hear about it will hear about it and uh, you don't need to rely on all these other things on on Facebook or Twitter or whatever like the right people will find you if you have something going on that's worthwhile you know yeah yeah, yeah I believe it um, I feel like I want to say one more thing which is uh, on this yeah. topic of like different forms of capital and all that sort of thing um, I I want to move all of my livelihood to be doing this, whatever this is that I'm doing. And I don't know how to do that. Um, and it's and it's like one of the projects for me to really work on this year. So this is a message to anyone that's listening to this recording. If you think that what I'm doing is important and you want to support it, you can go to the open collective slash micro solidarity. And there's a place where you can just give us money and we'll spend it on supporting mm-hmm. community builders like this. And I will figure out how to make that value exchange seem rational sometime later. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right, folks, you have a great day. I'm going to go and knock off and get off this computer. Thank Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. Ciao. 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 Mm -hmm.